Hello, welcome to our podcast again. Um, my name is Marike de Witte. I'm a clinical psychologist, sexologist working at Maastricht University. I'm teaching a lot on sexuality, doing research. And today we're going to talk about sex, about am I normal, about porn, about hypersexuality. So, so many interesting topics. And I'm going to discuss this with some guests. Maybe you can introduce yourself. Yeah, hi, my name is Nico. Uh, I studied in Maastricht, I did my bachelor in psychology and also my master in health and social psychology. And yeah, I'm really happy to be here today with you. Okay, thank you. Hi everyone, I'm Beatrice. Uh, I'm currently doing my third year um, psychology, still the bachelor's, and I'm writing my thesis on school-based sex education, so I feel very blessed to be here. Okay, well, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us again here on this podcast. And um, well, today we're going to address an interesting question. The question like, am I normal? Is what I feel normal? Is what I do normal? Uh, are we doing okay as a couple? Um, I watch porn every day. Is that normal? It's, it's a question we get a lot. And it's really strange that people always want to be exceptional. But when it comes to sex, we all want to be normal and average. And it's actually really difficult to judge like, what is normal sexual behavior because everyone has their own unique love map we have talked about this before everyone has their own unique sexual wishes uh, uh, what works for you what turns you on may be different for me mm -hmm. so it's really difficult to make these generalized statements and to make these uniform conclusions but at the same time this is what science does uh, we actually focus on averages so there's a clear paradox between the science and then the, the, the reality of, of our sexuality, of our uniqueness. So that makes it a little bit difficult. And especially in times of COVID, it's, it's, there's a risk if we do research on sexuality that we create new norms. And, and especially in these times, people have questions. And so they're looking for answers. And, and there's a lot of research going on now on COVID and sex. And uh, we also see that the media is eager to publish articles on, on, on this, to this mm. topic. And they want like polarized statements, but it's really difficult to give these polarized yeah. statements. So I think it's an important question that we just reflect on, like what is okay, what is average, what is normal behavior? And I, I think that's mm -hmm. that's one of the topics yeah. we need to discuss today. Definitely, I, I was thinking, I feel like also this uh, idea of what is normal and everything, it's so linked to sexual myths, right? Like we create these ideas that then become norms and we always evaluate ourselves and our sexual behavior against those norms. Yeah. And yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing. Eh? We, we, these norms, we read them in magazines, on the internet. There's a lot of myths, like you say. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's how we create and construct our norms, like what is yeah. normal sexual behavior. And, and if we think about it, like how many times do couples need to have sex? There's kind of a norm two times a week. Mm -hmm. um, there's like in, an, in a good relationship, you automatically feel what your partner wants or sex uh, pops up spontaneously. So true. Or, or what is also important, like if you fantasize about other people, then you're cheating. Mm. If you watch porn, then there's something wrong in your relationship. Yeah. It's a signal that something is missing. There's so many ideas about what is okay in a relationship, what is normal. Yeah, and I think also in a relationship, it's not only normal between people. So am I normal regarding to all the couples? Do we have enough sex? Do we have too much, too little? But also within a relationship, I think you go then through phases where you have more sex, less exactly. sex also. Mm. Whereas they are normal. Is it normal to have a lot less sex or a lot more sex than before? Yeah. So look at the within and also between people. Exactly, exactly. Because that's what you say. I mean, a lot of like if there are sexual problems, they're often like a very normal reaction to a certain situation. If you have a lot of your mind, if, if you ha it's, a, it's a busy period, it's normal that sex is not a priority. So 
it is an important yeah. idea to reflect on that we have so many norms about sexuality and it's often what you say based on taboos mm -hmm. and myths and, and moral conceptions mm -hmm. but at the same time we have to consider that there is of course behavior that we can say this is pathological uh, and yeah. that it does not fit with social norms or in the sense that it causes harm to others and to yourself then we could say it's problematic but there's really a thin line between what is normal and abnormal behavior and it mm. makes it all also difficult to to think about sexual problems or about um, uh, dysfunctional behavior for example when we make this distinction between paraphilia and, and paraphilic disorder because mm. you can have a paraphilic interest a fantasy uh, about about having sex with children but as long as it's a fantasy and you know uh, your moral judgment is okay like okay this is not okay to have sex with children and you have no issues with with impulse control mm. you do not act on it then in a way it's only a fantasy no, exactly. so I, I think it's really difficult to judge fantasies of people because mm. a fantasy is yeah, it's very yeah. personal. And to judge what is normal, because also when I think about yeah these ideas that we all share together with friends about uh, your sexual life, sometimes like uh, I would speak to friends, they're like, oh, you know, I have sex like four times a week, and then the other one would say two times a week, and you see that there's like this degree of comparison and assuming that having more sex then is better than less sex, and yeah, like we know that sexual well-being, sexual health touches a lot upon our own general well-being our self-esteem our um yeah how we perceive ourselves as, as sexual beings and so when there's this comparison it can a lot of um, feelings of incapacity can arise i feel like yeah sometimes so i think it's important to whenever we talk uh, to friends about sex which is a super nice topic to discuss with friends we don't do it from a place of comparison and from a place to like assess ourselves yeah. as sexual beings but from a place of uh, understanding and like sharing just with your friends how your sex life is you know yeah exactly it's really about creating your own norms i yeah. think that is the most important just always compare yourself with yourself with your mm. own relationship and not with what you see on the internet what you read on the internet what you hear from friends because again everyone has their own unique sexuality and their sexual wishes mm. yeah so yeah so would you say it's then more important to instead of focusing outwards and seeing what should i do what should i do what should i do to get more inwards and see kind of getting in touch with oneself what you want and your wishes yeah. your desires your feelings yeah what you consider Definitely. to be normal but at the same time of course it's also about what we consider to be normal but it needs to be i mean yeah. you cannot cause yourself harm or others yeah. and and if you feel distressed by it then it's also a signal that there's something mm. wrong that maybe yeah. um so i think that is important but it's it's just the idea of of yeah that we just have so many moral judgment when it comes to sex that so many things are not okay in our mind but why is it not okay because we think because we mm. often it's also um yeah lack of knowledge like the fact like fantasies for example everyone fantasizes during sex or let's say maybe not everyone but a lot of people will fantasize mm. during sex it's an extra trigger to increase your sexual arousal so it's actually quite normal to to fantasize about other partners for example when you have sex uh, we have addressed this in the previous episode mm. that often um when you are turning on each other and when you have in this phase of sexual desire you're interacting with your partner but at a certain point when you want to reach orgasm you need to sort of mm. let go of your partner and so at that true. point what you see is that some people turn inwards and start to fantasize and they can fantasize maybe about having sex with a other person on a very exciting place mm. in a way that's okay because it's just a fantasy it's just a way to enhance your sexual arousal and that's what we often see that these fantasies especially women tend to fantasize mm -hmm. more men are more 
visually oriented. Yes. And I think that's why men often rely more on porn um, uh, to, to sort yeah. of, uh, when masturbating, for example, of to increase sexual arousal than women. Yeah, it's so true. I notice also like sometimes in bed, like for the guy like to come, he has to like be with his eyes open, you know, yeah. like looking and like watching the situation, what is happening in front of them. But like for me, just like you said, it's kind of like I'm enjoying, I'm there with the person. But when it's my turn like to shine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I kind of go inwards and yeah, I have these little fantasies like and I just start thinking about things that excite me. And then it's so much beautiful like to be able to do that next to someone uh, without any judgment because there exactly. shouldn't be un uh, uh, none. Uh, and you're just there vibing and like exploring your pleasure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's really this. We, we see this a little difference between men and women that indeed yeah. men need this more visual stimuli. We have a man here yes, uh, among us. So more about that. Do you recognize this idea? Yeah, I was just wondering because then also I haven't thought about it beforehand whether I need more or less visual stimuli than my female partner. But I think yeah, I also <laughs> tend to have my eyes maybe more open. Also, I like to have eye contact. I think that's yes. really a big Sexy. point. Of, yeah, sexy and also gives more intimacy to look into the other's eye. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, but I think if we think about this visual orientation, I think that's one of the reasons why men often watch porn more. And when we think about this idea, this topic of am I normal, I think talking about porn is a very important topic mm. because um, a lot of people watch porn. It's, it's freely available and it, it's easy available nowadays. Uh, even also during COVID, we know that Pornhub, for example, has made its premium services for free so that people could better cope with the lockdown, obviously to attract more members. But at the same <laughs> yes. time, it really works. So a lot of people, the porn use has increased during COVID. And this is because, yeah, obviously, why do people use porn? Well, it's because boredom, uh, mm. because they want mm. to cope with the stress or just want curiosity, information seeking. So it's quite normal that in these times, your porn use has increased. So don't worry about it. But it comes to the question like, yeah, am I normal when I watch porn mm. every day? I masturbate every day so that's a question a lot of, of, of people are yeah. bothered with and i think it really comes down to the to the question are you still in control if you feel that it's an uncontrollable urge that it really interferes with your daily life with with study work um, relationships social activities then it becomes problematic mm -hmm. and so if you're actually using it for emotion regulation uh, for example what that when you watch porn you feel bad you feel guilty and shame and then this bad feeling becomes a trigger to watch porn again then it means that you're not watching porn for the mere joy of it, but yeah. then you use it actually as a way to cope with negative emotions. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes an emotion regulation strategy. Yeah. And then you can say, okay, maybe then there's some kind of problematic issues going mm -hmm. on. During this COVID period, like sometimes it was kind of hard to find like sexual partners to explore good sex with. So uh, I really did feel this kind of like sexual frustration sometimes. And I would either masturbate you have out of boredom or something like that or to just like have this quick fix like this quick dopamine release like little reward kind of you know uh and i feel like that's kind of linked also to emotional regulation but not in a pathological yeah, sense exactly then. it's not a problem to use porn or to masturbate in a way to cope with negative emotions we know that also during exam periods that people masturbate a lot or watch porn more because it's just a way to cope with the stress mm. to reduce your distress so it does not need to be pathological if you use sex for not only for 
enjoyment or uh, for, for orgasm. Orgasm can have a function, mm. namely reducing uh, the stress, so that's not a problem. But it's more, uh, it becomes pathological when, when, when there's this uncontrollable urge. Like, for example, that I always give this uh, example when I teach also. Like, imagine that you thought, okay, tonight my roommate is, is out, and um, so I'm going to watch porn, I'm going to masturbate the entire evening. And then suddenly you come home, and your roommate says like, hey, my date is cancelled, let's go for a drink. How do you deal with that? Is it like, oh my God, I want to masturbate. I planned it the whole day and, and you get distressed. Or is it like, oh great, we're going for a drink and then you masturbate on another time. That makes a difference whether it's like uncontrollably uh, yeah. uncontrollable urge or not whether yeah. it does not interfere with with your social mm -hmm. life and with plans and i was wondering actually because like uh, i know that the data and like the studies are not very clear on this issue that we say hypersexuality when someone like is a very as a sexual compulsion sometimes and the data is not very clear on that uh, but i do know some cases where a certain like people's uh, sexual behavior and sexual urges can affect their family because it can break families sometimes exactly. and yeah. it, it can be very hard for children sometimes to grow up with parents uh, in the household where they just can control uh, their sexual urges or like bring a lot of people all the time and cheating and everything mm -hmm. like destroying families so i really do wonder whether there is to a certain extent any kind of like sexual compulsion that becomes pathological really despite the data not being yeah, very yeah. i think that. I that's what you say sexual compulsion i think that we, there's not a lot of agreement on how we should label it as mm -hmm. some people say hypersexuality sex addiction has been labeled sexual compulsive behavior is also one of the terms and at this point there's no agreement on okay what is it exactly the research is really um uh, conflicting and I think it's, um, yeah, I, I prefer the term hypersexuality. I don't like sex addiction or porn addiction mm. or whatever, because it's not the same as an addiction like in drugs and alcohol. We also know it from research, from brain research, that it's not uh, activating the same brain area. So it's it's something different. And it's, it's exactly not always about the sex in itself. It's more about this uh, low self-esteem, yeah. um, difficulties with emotion regulation. I think that, that that is the biggest issue. And also I think we should not regard it as a sex addiction and it, it's, it's certainly not treated as a sex addiction because uh, there are these programs uh, uh, that rely on these 12 steps, like the same as the um, alcohol treatments, but you cannot be completely absent from sex you can say okay stop you cannot use any drugs anymore you cannot drink any alcohol anymore and then it's okay yeah. but obviously with sex you cannot do that it's I mean sex is everywhere it's it's really important about learning to enjoy sex again mm. because that's the issue when people are like uh, um, hypersexual often it's like this urge this uncontrollable they feel bad about it mm. so they're not actually enjoying sexuality also when they compulsively watch porn and masturbate it's not they're not enjoying it. So it's really important that they learn to enjoy it again and learn to control their behavior. So you yeah. could say like, you know, select the five most interesting pornographic movies and then you masturbate mindfully every other day and the other day you need to control it. But when you masturbate, enjoy it so that you sort of learn to enjoy the sexual stimulation again. And at the same time, working on positive ego strengthening activities, making you feel better about yourself. I think that is an important way. It's not taking something yeah. away, but it's offering something positive and, and, and making that there's a positive association between sex and 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 um, yeah sexual feelings again i think that is important uh, mm. and and at this point um yeah 
there are some treatments not really working and, and, and because they're really focusing on abstinence and control. Yeah. And I think mm. this is not what we need to target. But how do you, how do you then balance the thin line of um, healthy sex use when you used to be really hypersexual in that sense? So you mm -hmm. say you cannot compare to alcoholism or other kind of addictions because mm -hmm. with alcohol you often see this rapid reacquisition of someone who has been abstinent drinks once he starts getting into a binge of mm -hmm. alcohol again mm. with sex is that i also imagine that those years of habituation of just doing it for this orgasm or for this emotion regulation then against this one time trying to really um feel what you're doing and to yeah. really be in the moment can all it can also be difficult to fight against these years of yeah. conditioning exactly exactly i, I think uh, you're completely right because there could be some kind of sexual desensitization that you need increasingly more sexual uh, arousing stimuli to get this uh, the sexual arousal so you need to sort of desensitize yourself again and um, I think that's, that's indeed uh, an, an issue and that's, that's a challenge of treatment. Uh, and it's what you say, there's really a thin line between like, okay, what is now um, normal or, or not, uh, or, or like controllable sexual uh, behavior and uncontrollable sexual mm. behavior. And I think that's why at this point, hypersexuality, for example, is not an official psychiatric or mm. sexual dysfunction or, or diagnosis, because at this point, there's the risk that we are going to pathologize normal sexual mm. behavior. And, and that's why people don't want to treat it as a sexual dysfunction. But at the same time, it's like you say, there are enough examples of or cases of people who are clearly hypersexual and, yeah. and that it's really interfering with their daily life, with their relationships, with family and life. With others, yeah, yeah, affecting others. And uh, the thing you were saying about like sex addiction and abstinence, a thing that I really can't understand is these uh, anonymous groups, the sex addicts, they call themselves and they're like, they get these badges, oh, I've, I haven't had sex for, for six months now, like I'm getting healed, I'm getting healed. I don't think that is actually like helping in any way. I feel like knowing that it's linked to emotional regulation or a lack of we have to help those people work on other spheres of their exactly. life and not really just sex you know yeah. maybe mm -hmm. the sex is just a byproduct of other instabilities that they have in their life so mm -hmm. just going there and saying okay from now on if you want to get better better uh, you mm -hmm. have to just completely stop having sexual interactions you can't even masturbate basically you yeah can't do exactly anything and yeah that's so bad like let's start from the root sex education mm -hmm. for example already like i think it's so linked to that right people who didn't learn how to regulate and like have their boundaries also and like didn't have a super healthy if we could say like sexual development as children teenagers and young adults yeah, then exactly Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that people can also do that uh, from home? So not only going if you had those kind of emotion regulation issues that then um, end up in a lot of sex or masturbation. Do you think you can also from home tackle those issues? Also talking well, now about maybe COVID times or do yeah. you think that professional help I think is that often it depends really on how, how 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 far you are in this this cascade of, of, of hypersexual behavior but I think that obviously um, uh, treatment works I mean if you work with a sexologist and can help to sort of discover like okay that you you need to learn to uh, that that sex can be a resource that it's not only a way of coping with negative emotions and so you need to deal with these underlying negative emotions where do they come from this low self-esteem and 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 they kind of why do they engage in this type of behavior to deal with these uh, negative emotions are there alternative ways to deal with negative emotions so you need to sort of go to the 
the core of the, of the meaning of mm. this behavior and what the underlying reasons are. And it's kind of sometimes difficult to that, do that on yourself because often you don't know it yourself. And it's like true therapy that you can discover what you're actually, what is the meaning and the function of this behavior mm. in your personal life. So, um, but I think it's just also awareness is already a first step and that you can sort of already at home just yeah. try to discover okay wh what is why am I watching porn why am I masturbating is this uncontrollable or not is this an urge am I sort of trying to suit some negative emotions and is mm -hmm. this becoming dysfunctional just trying to question yourself is already I think a f yeah. an important first step yeah no definitely um I feel like for example there has been some points in life where I found myself being so ridiculous kind of like because I just couldn't stop I was always seeking this kind of like sexual behavior and everything until as you said we need this awareness and, and you have to be conscious that maybe you want to change something it, it I think it has to come from within mm -hmm. kind of like this is like taking too much space in my like daily life I'm com I'm thinking about this so often that mm -hmm. I need to do something about this and then yeah through journaling for example for me I started journaling trying to ask myself like why do I feel like I need to yeah. interact sexually with other people I have to be looking for partners that I don't even know sometimes and for me like I was feeling very bad that I dependent, depended so much on other people for my own well-being yeah. so through exactly. self-regulation journaling even like doing some jogging sports and everything I kind of got the same feeling of satisfaction that I used to have after a couple of hours with someone that I didn't yeah. like that much, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it's really about self-reflection. And it's like you say, it's going back to the yeah. core, like, why am I doing it? And are there alternative ways to get this feeling? Mm. And I think that is one of the important things when it comes to, to hypersexuality. Yeah, um, yeah but it, it's, a, it's, it's really important that at this point, the research is really giving conflicting evidence and there are so many things to discover yet because it could be of course that they're also more sexual excitation that they're more sensation seeking that people are more like sexually arousable that these people are more vulnerable mm -hmm. to to engage in hypersexual behavior yeah. so it's it should it probably is not only about regulating negative emotions there are probably also some personality traits that exactly. make you more mm -hmm. sensitive and more vulnerable to to engage in this this type mm -hmm. of behavior so i think um at this point it, it's 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 a field that needs more research to really understand what is hypersexuality about but at this i think what one of the most important things is that i don't think we should completely level it with an addiction or or yeah. just label it as an addiction because it's much more with compulsion and mm. and uh, emotion regulation yeah. yeah and we shouldn't see sex as like oh there's like a norm for sex also because of just like you said it also has to do with your inhibition and excitation like someone was a higher uh, sexual uh, inhibition system like compared to a sexual excitation system uh, might think that they have a problem for example yeah. when it's just them it's like individual differences like maybe my excitation system is like way higher than my inhibition one exactly. and that makes me just more prone to like I don't know be yeah more prone to go no, to more those interactions seeking yeah. in terms of sexuality yeah yeah and, and I also think that when it comes to labeling it it as an addiction or not if you look at other uses for example for drugs drugs are not natural needs and drugs then you can have a parameter where you say from this point onwards it's pathological it's not good anymore but with sex again being a natural need that you cannot get rid of as you said yeah. and also being so different for everyone you cannot say if you have x amount of time of sex in this time period then it's good or not good anymore normal or not normal because it's such so individual now, when we were talking about hypersexuality, what is also interesting is that there's a clear gender differences, that it occurs more in men. And um, well, in a way, if we think about gender differences and we're talking about porn, 
we also see that there's a clear gender gap in porn use that that um, men there are like about 75 percent of men will use porn and about 25 percent in women so it's clearly that porn is more used by men but you can also see that the porn industry is also has been developed for men it's really targeting also the, the 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 sexual pleasure of the men if you look at porn movies and it's it's also because well um men habituate very fast to sexual stimuli so uh when you present repeatedly present the same sexual stimulus to a man their sexual arousal will decrease rapidly mm. like in women it's the the same but it's less and so that's why men need more variety need more variety in sexual stimuli and so the porn industry has been developed to sort of meet this variety mm. and this explains why uh, indeed uh, porn has originally been developed a lot for for mm. men and that men watch porn more than women um yeah but at the same time it does not mean that women are not visually oriented that they yeah. do not watch porn but it could be that women will more like listen to erotic stories or read uh, erotic books um uh, like like 50 shades, 50 shades of gray for example was very popular and was less popular in men yeah. so there seems to be a, a clear gender difference in terms of of, uh, of yeah, porn use i also wonder whether it's linked uh, to the fact that for men, uh, the female orgasm, it's like this big mystery, you know, like how to really, really please a woman. Like it's very hard because it's like the vagina and you don't really see the clitoris if you don't know how to see it or you don't know how to look for it, you know. So you kind of like also watch porn out of curiosity to like learn exactly movements or like how to even like uh, do a cunilingus and things like that. But for girls, maybe it's more straightforward, this idea of having sex. They know, they know it's mainly i guess about the penetration nowadays like that's how people tend to see it of course it can be like way more than that but yeah, yeah. the basic idea is like the, that penetration would lead to a male orgasm at least yeah uh, so i wonder if it's linked also to that curiosity from like the men's obviously, side obviously i think that people just want to learn yeah. and 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 porn is a good way to learn sex uh that's one thing um but it's indeed i mean when you think if you want to learn from porn you get a very uniform picture of mm -hmm. what sex is it's often focused mm -hmm. on male sexual pleasure so it's about blowjobs and it's about penetration and then we see that for women this is less exciting uh, there is nowadays uh more female-friendly porn, like the porna, and then it's more about uh, the context, the stimulus, the, 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 the touching, it's about female sexual pleasure being more central. It's also like normal-looking actresses without the, the, the silicon breasts and the, the porn pussies and the tribal tattoos. Mm -hmm. So it's more like realistic porn, and the women like that more. They like also that there's more like yeah. a story instead of the, 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 the hard porn mm -hmm. in itself. So there's clearly a difference in what men and women like in type of porn. But at this point, I think that the porn industry has evolved and that there's more like different types of, of, of porn sort of to address these different needs mm -hmm. in terms of uh, porn. Nicola, I was wondering, like, what kind of porn would you like enjoy mm. watching more? Um, I think when I started watching porn, I think I was uh, around 14 years old. I was just just clicking this porn button and illegally entering the site clicking on this enter button was really exciting and just seeing naked bodies because i i hit puberty all those home hormones are coming up and um just really excited by just the pictures and the videos are even more exciting and then uh, for me i think i also watched a bit of this a bit of that different categories and yeah nowadays i don't really watch that much porn anymore 
You've had it. You, you've, you've been there, done I've that. Been there, done <laughs> yeah, I think that. when we talked about before and about this emotional regulation, I think that when I was a teenager, I maybe used it also for a bit of emotional regulation and just felt at some point also after masturbating, I felt a bit of bit of guilt and not that it did too much good for me. So I kind of, it's not that I entirely don't watch porn mm -hmm. anymore, but I just don't really watch it that yeah. much anymore. But I think it's important that we shouldn't feel guilty about watching yeah, porn, yeah. because sometimes this guilt and shame is also because that's the moral judgment from our societal norms about watching porn, that it's kind of pathological, or especially like when you're in a relationship, you cannot watch porn. As I said before, uh, the porn industry has evolved to meet this need for variety. So actually, there's no there's no harm. I mean, it's very normal, like in a relationship that at a certain point, also the, the your own partner I mean, you habituate to your mm. the sex with your own partner, so it's a good way to sort of bring some variety. It can get you, gives you some exper uh, inspiration to experiment, to to use different uh, types of sexual behavior. Uh, it's like you say, you also discover your own sexual interests. And you say, like, I had different types of porn, and I, I discovered different categories. Yeah. So it's also a good way to learn yourself better, to understand, like, hey, I'm getting aroused by this type of porn or by this type of porn, and you just, it's kind of a discovery. So I think it's very normal in adolescence that you're watching porn because you're very curious in uh, young people in the midst of their sexual development they are very receptive to all types of information so it's quite obvious that if you can enter these sex mm. sites that you will look and that you will sort of um, be curious I think that's 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 yeah. very normal especially for young people the novelty seeking is like extremely high at that point like everything's new for you so like everything's so interesting and you just want to like dig deeper and discover yeah. basically but at the same time if we think about that um you already addressed it like yeah when you were younger you you entered this porn site in a way that's sh i mean it should be you should be 18 mm. plus uh, but <laughs> at this point it's really difficult to, to to regulate that but we have to think about like oh, okay what are the consequences if you're 12 or 13 years old you don't know about sex and then you watch porn um so if we think about the 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 effects of porn on sexual development there's also research is not free of moral judgment because yeah. we always automatically assume it's going to be negative and in a way you could say well if you look at the the, the male-oriented uh, classic porn you could say that the women are kind of objectified eh? they are the lust object of the man mm. it's really about the male sexual pleasure so it could confirm gender stereotypes it could be that people watching porn a lot will endorse these rape myths and yeah. are more permissive attitudes regarding uh, sexual violence they consider sex without love is very common yes. um, they start to copy the sexual acts they see in the movies because they don't know what sex is so at a certain point there can be some miseducation because at mm. a, for example women think I need to squirt or uh, young guys think well I need to uh, climax on her belly I need to ejaculate in yeah. her face because that's what they see so they kind of copy it so yeah there are some risks involved I agree that yeah if you're young and you get all this information what is the impact on sexual development yeah that's a very good question but I wanted to to say something very interesting is that uh, in one of the courses that I had in psychology like the forensic one um, I did it with Canada while I was doing this Erasmus kind of thing exchange and uh, in the course of forensics we had this chapter on sexual offenders and they saw that there's a big link like a big correlation with uh, porn uh, usage and they saw that uh, uh, those that um, 
sexual harassment, rape, uh, and things like that, they report having used porn uh, in almost in a compu compulsive manner yeah. when they were growing up. It's like they were isolated for so long and just watching porn, watching porn, and one day they turned to interpersonal violence. Yeah. Uh, that's what I mean, the link yeah, to interpersonal could be. violence. Indeed, it's just a way that, that people are portrayed in this porn industry mm -hmm. can be problematic. And, and, and I think that's also what, what also why women don't like porn is that they often question themselves is this female actress really enjoying yeah. this uh, because it's so much focused on the blowjob and the penetration mm. and, and and so on um but yeah and i think that's important that people see this and and i don't know whether you if you reflect on on your own sexual development and when you watch porn do you think that it affected your thinking and and sexual behavior um yeah i think definitely because i think it was i i started watching porn before so before i first had sex so and then as a child or as an adolescent, young adolescent, I don't think you um, question or reflect everything that you see. You just see and maybe you, you mimic also, you get a false sense of what you should do. You think you ought to do the things you see there. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think then it also took time again to then later go again, go back from this outwards, what I see in porn, what I think is normal to seeing what I really want and what is best. And also I think what in a lot of porn is missing because it's just this, fantasy world of yeah. really hyper stimuli is this um, connection between the people kind of it's more porn those professional porn movies sometimes seem more like business as you say they have those different practices they do and it's all has to be so strong and so exaggerated so then also to go back to myself then when i first experienced sex and see what do i really want and do do people have to moan so loud that the neighbors would hear it yes, or, that's or can it just also be enjoyable the way I enjoy it and yeah. that is not related to how yeah. they do it there. But could you talk about other people about what you see? Because I think that's also important. Mm -hmm. You say like, hey, you're like uh, 15, you watch porn. And um, yeah, is there somebody who can sort of tell you like, hey, this is not realistic what you're seeing or this is not the real sex? Like, can you talk about it with your parents or in sex educational programs or? Yeah, I think the only exchange I had was with boys in my age also when i was 14 15 i also didn't talk to girls about it but only my boys peer group and they were also kind of in the same boat so you were just mirroring each other's behavior and i think to really until i really reflected on what i'm doing was after i finished school 18 19 20 maybe beforehand no and also the sex education i experienced in school was more about how to use a condom. There was once a woman for one hour putting yeah, a condom over a exactly. banana oh and that was God. it. Appreciate yeah, that's it. terrible. Uh, we still need to work on that because so I hard. think it's so important. I, I, I've, I've talked about this in, in previous episodes, how important it is to talk as parents also with your children about sex because at that point, if you follow your, your child into their sexual development and you have an open communication, then you can sort of yeah give them some your own ideas and morals and and talk about consent in terms of sexuality talk about how sexuality is also about love and about uh, touching each other and about intimacy and sharing this intimacy and putting some kind of also more realistic image like hey what you see that's really interesting and obviously you can get inspiration it's not bad to watch porn eh? you can get a lot of inspiration from mm -hmm. it and and learn from it and i know that also people learn about sexual anatomy 
and 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 also if we think about about, about young people it can um inc yeah promote the conversation an open conversation about sexuality you learn to experiment mm -hmm. and also uh, when we talk about sex education it's quite uh, heteronormative so for uh, young people in a same-sex relationship or gender diverse adolescents they actually yeah they get information from the internet obviously mm. they watch porn because that's the way they get informed if you look at the sex education they get at school it's always about a male partner and a female partner so they have questions so yeah. obviously they're turned to the internet so um, I think the internet in general but porn and all and all these websites on sexuality can be very informative and can also be an important source of information mm. but i think it's really important that we work on these websites mm. and work on also websites that can sort of nuance the things people see uh, at porn so that it can that people can benefit from the uh, yeah, definitely i i at least like i really enjoy watching porn even nowadays and i never watch uh heteronormative porn like heterosexual like my partners are usually males but uh, the porn that I watch is uh, lesbian porn, like because I just really like the connection that mm -hmm. women show there. And there's, uh, as you said, that component of heteronormativity is not that much there, which I really enjoy. It's more free, more, mm -hmm. um, yeah, these feelings and connections and like taking care of the other. Yeah. And yeah, not just this penetration, which we know that most of the times it's not just yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of arousement during the penetration. Yeah. So yeah, for me, like porn was definitely it played a big role in my sexual development. But I didn't take everything that I saw as for granted. I think it's very important to be critical yeah. uh, in what you see yeah. and recognize that okay, like you can watch sloppy sex if you want to, like a video that you would never tell anyone that you just watched. You know, like it's really for you and yourself. But it's fun, you know, like yeah. it's fun to watch that from time to time. A bit of novelty. Um, as long as you don't take it as the norm, you know, like, okay, now I have to do like this yeah. all the time and things like that. Yeah, exactly. An interesting thing, what you say is that, that you use it to discover yourself and to sort of, um, yeah, learn like what turns me on and, mm, and in terms of sexual arousal. And I clearly see there's also a difference, a uh, gender difference in porn use in the sense that men use it more uh, to arouse themselves during masturbation. We see that women indeed use it more to understand their body better, but also they like to watch porn together with their partner they use it kind of as a part of the to get into the mood for sex with a partner to uh, use it as part of seduction and foreplay mm -hmm. and um yeah i think that's why if we think about porn we should not only focus on the solo watching solo porn but you can also watch it together with your partner Definitely. and and that can have also a lot of positive functions for the relationships but again if we think about the research automatically assumes negative effects in the, in the sense that it would increase the risk of relationship breakup and, in, uh, and promote infidelity and that at a certain point people uh, it would induce unrealistic expectations or raise the concern that yeah watching porn would be more uh, more interesting than having sex with the partner so that it becomes a substitute for partner sex or and also one of the hypotheses is that it would cause um, sexual desensitization eh? that we talked about that at a certain point you need increasingly more intense stimuli to get sexually aroused so at a certain point sex with the actual partner becomes less stimulating it's mm. not stimulating enough and would then induce erectile problems yeah. so there's often kind of risks like also that 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 there's a discrepancy between having sex with your partner and then indeed seeing this very much passion and and this uh, woman climaxing yeah. like for five minutes and it's like oh my partner is yeah. not doing this mm. so there's something wrong 
Uh, yeah, so I think that shows like really the importance of uh, normalizing fantasies, you know, fantasizing, yeah. you know, uh, there's no wrong at all in that. And actually, it's so fun <laughs> when you're able to do that and uh, feel free to do that also like in bed and or with your partner watching porn together, you yeah. know, like that can be also a little yeah. kinky fantasy and Ab- you're just absolutely. fulfilling it. And it's fun, you know, to a certain extent. And I don't know, I, w- I would think that the couples that watch porn together would actually have less... Uh, chances of like um getting involved in cheating and things yeah. like that uh, because indeed you you sort of suit this yeah, need for exactly. variety like you you yeah. explore you go like a little bit out of this box you know kind of normative sex i would yeah. say um yeah. because we've seen also like with the with the like pedophilia for example there are the passive pedophiles yeah. who don't do anything they're just normal people and yes okay because of their development somewhere in their life you know it, it became like that that they are attracted to children but they recognize the wrongdoings in that they recognize the potential of harm to children so they don't engage in those acts but they don't engage then in any sexual act because they would like with children so they stay in their own bubble and don't hurt anyone yet there's so much hatred you know for people who are just fantasizing and not doing anything and then we see that for those who are like uh who who try to fantasize at first but the fantasy gets to a a certain degree so strong that they feel like they have to act on it to fulfill that fantasy most of the times they actually regret acting on that fantasy because it it wasn't fulfilled like the fantasies inside of their heads right indeed yeah so you could say indeed say that watching porn is just a way of Fantasy, fantasizing mm-hmm. and, 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 and learning and experimenting and also in relationships it can have a positive function um, so I think that is important to, to uh, what we also sometimes see that when we look at the negative effects of porn use that it's not the, the, the viewing the act of viewing itself but it's often when there's a discrepancy that one partner is uh, using porn and the other is not and when they don't know when they do it behind each other's back so I think that's why it's important to have this open communication and just talk maybe you don't feel like watching porn but it's okay if your partner watch porn that you can openly talk about it and don't see this as a threat to your relationship and also try to see okay what can how can we benefit from porn because it's out there it's available so I always have this idea like when it's out there just be curious and look at it and maybe it's not nothing for you and maybe you don't like it but maybe you can explore like are there any types of porn that I like and it can really help you to deal with frustrations when there's discrepancies in sexual desire when your partner's not available that you'd sort of need a trigger to to masturbate or to to sort of increase your sexual arousal or to deal with sexual anxieties and promote sexual autonomy or or to experiment to also open the conversation with your partner if you watch porn together that you can sort of say hey would could we try this out or would you like this won't you like this so you learn from each other maybe you don't act on the behaviors you see but you can sort of learn what the other wants what the other don't want and so it can be very beneficial we actually use it a lot in, in therapy that we advise couples with sexual problems to watch porn because you can learn, it can help you mm-hmm. to broaden your sexual script, it can give you insp- inspiration, and especially it can help you to talk about sex. Absolutely, and I think it's by putting this watching porn and like talking about it with your partner, uh, we are actually confining this porn usage that could be healthy to the hidden realms of like it's uh, hidden yeah. uh, spheres of uh, of life and that's i think what creates this feeling of oh i'm being i'm getting cheated on because him or her is watching porn because yeah. you don't talk about it you know yeah. so of course there is to a certain degree you're hiding something so i understand where the hurt stems from but i think that then we should really like normalize yeah. talking about this and 
Yeah, it's part yeah, of it's, our lives. It's about talking about it and just agreeing. I, I can't imagine that it's, it's not fun but when you come home and you see your partner watching porn and is masturbating. Maybe you don't want to see it. Mm. Could be. But um, at the same time, don't ignore it or don't get stressed because we do see that a lot of people feel like, oh, my partner is, is watching porn and masturbating. Am I not enough or Am something? I not enough? Am, is there something wrong in my relationship? And it's just because they think that at a certain point, a partner will prefer watching porn rather than having sex with them or that they have this idea like, I cannot meet up. It can create performance demand. Yeah. Like, oh, these perfect actresses and they're like very uh, reach orgasm very uh, easily and they're always enjoying it and I'm not like that. And so my partner will start to expect this from me. So there's a lot about this performance demand that is induced by watching porn. But I think it's really important just not to feel threatened by it because yeah. there's clearly a difference. Like you say, it's kind of a fantasy. It's like um, that's the porn and, and sort of having sex with your partner is still about intimacy. And so it's, it's something completely different. Um, yeah, but we do see that this idea of watching porn in a relationship is very, yeah, still an issue. I don't mm -hmm. know if you uh, talk about this with friends or in your own relationship. Um, yeah, I think nowadays I'm quite fine with talking to friends about porn or also if I'm in a relationship, um, hence also why I'm here today. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, talking about porn with friends like I do because I'm like I super open about that and I love talking about sex with friends like you know like Nicola mm. like we're very good friends and we love talking about <laughs> sex together and things like that and sometimes I do ask my friends you know do you watch porn and but I see that those that are in, in, a, in a relationship they don't yeah. at all but when I say at all is at all uh, yeah, but they, maybe they also don't dare to, to, to watch porn because they think if I watch porn that's no, not okay. They kind of like maybe. tell me like, oh, uh, I'm I'm good. I have a man, you know, like I'm fulfilled. Okay, but I don't think yeah. it's like related. You know what I mean? Like you can be fulfilled, but still enjoy. It's a different porn. type of, of, of sexual exactly. exploration, exactly. sexual uh, behavior. I think it's really important, but we have to be careful not to create new norms again. Eh? Because <laughs> if you're thinking about <laughs> so normal, true. then it it feels like everyone needs to watch porn. And if you're in a relationship, watch porn. No, obviously not. I mean. I just think it's interesting to explore it because it's there and that you can see what does it does. And, and obviously there are people who don't like porn. That's okay. Yeah. It's really about, I think, when we talk about the question, uh, am I normal? It's really difficult to give an answer because we have to create our own norms. And I think you just, mm. again, need to just reflect on yourself. Like, do, uh, do I feel okay about it? Uh, if you don't feel the stress, if you're not hurting yourself and others, then it's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean... Just let's uh, create your own norms. I think that's the most important message we want to give today. No, definitely, definitely. Okay. Well, thank you for this interesting uh, conversation. Yeah. No, thank, and, you. Uh, thank you. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>